Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Wyman. Hey, it's Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, Hawks Live. Thank you very much. I want to thank the, the good people at Snoqualmie Casino. They take great care yes, of us. Yes, they it's beautiful do. up here. Once you get past the Issaquah exit, the last Issaquah exit, what is it, eight, ten minutes? It's a nice, beautiful drive. Yeah, it's just uh, a great place to be. Well, guys, uh, you know, we were uh, talking to Clayton about some of the moves, one of which is Jamar Taylor getting released, of course. We talked a little bit about that. And, and again, Jamar, I mean, he's a, he's a great guy. Just uh, I loved him. I thought he was a good, good part of the group, but he just wasn't quite fitting in. And he just was a little bit behind, just a little bit off. And, you know, in that nickel spot, you know, and I think maybe a lot of people think, well, that's pretty harsh to go from you're a starting nickel to cut. Usually you get benched and then sort of demoted. But, you know, they, they had a move, and it just, I think, shows a lot of confidence of what they think about whoever's going to replace him, which it looks like it's probably going to be Ugo Amadi. Do you agree, Paul? Is that what you've seen from him being an old defensive back coach yourself? About Ugo Amadi? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's the guy. I mean, you just listen to Pete, and, you know, he, he feels it's his – He's earned the right now, and, you know, as a rookie, you're, you're kind of just feeling it out. As coaches, am I, can he be dependable? And he's, all he's done is he's made plays. Talk, talk about that really quick because we, we talk about this all the time. Why does this guy get brought up? Why is that? And I, I've always said, and you guys both can confirm this, when you're a coach, trust is a huge deal, right? I mean, and remember uh, George Dyer used to have, he called the CIFCO rating on players. Can I bleep and count on him? Can't pronounce all of them. But, you know, that, that was a big thing with him. Like, is he at practice? Is he doing the right things at practice? Is he making mistakes? Is he paying attention in meetings? I mean, there's all kinds of things that you look at that give you – because I feel like during the game, you kind of, as a coach, you run back – you run home to mama, right? You go to what makes you most comfortable. And if you have a, a player that, you know, you know you can count on, then, you know, even if he's not more talented – then another guy, if you want that trust, right, as a coach? I'm not running back to mo- well, You're maybe, running maybe home I to Mama, am. Paul. Mama, you, as long as she has my uh, fried chicken and my potato salad, I'll run home anytime. But, look, it's an 11-man game on one side of the ball, right? I, so I, I just need a guy just to do his job at times. i got 10 other guys that may be playmakers. And so I look at Taylor, and, and why is he no longer on this team? Not, you know, I'm always, they would talk about this all the time, hesitant to say, oh, he did it wrong. But I'm watching him inside technique. And when 70% of uh, Garoppolo's passes are inside the numbers and everything is saying they're coming inside, they're coming inside, and he wouldn't take it away. And then he held the guy or interfered with him on a, a, an interception. He, he messed up on another one. He, he just didn't make plays. There's a point where I go, I've got to get somebody in there who just does the assignment. And that's why that's so important. And, look, I made a living on that. I had a second-round pick, a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a fourth-round pick. They didn't make the team because I knew where to go. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's important. you got to know your limitations as much as your strengths. And Taylor just, I thought he made a lot of busts in that game, even though he might be physically as good as Amadi. But now you've got a veteran guy who probably isn't physically as good as Amadi. And now he's not make he's making mental and busts. He's making mistakes. Yeah. I'll go with the rookie who's making plays. Yeah. I can live with some mistakes if you make plays. 
But Taylor wasn't making any plays on top and making mistakes. Don't you love as a receiver beating a guy inside? I mean, it's the easiest thing. It drives me nuts. And everybody, you know, those slants across the middle, I mean, they're hard to defend. But, I mean, if you take away the inside part, it's such an easy throw for a quarterback. You take it away and make them go outside the numbers. Now, all of a sudden, they got to put air on the ball, touch. There's time for the safeties to get there. It just seems like kind of a, a no-brainer. And when you win inside... Your your money, right? Garoppolo was three for eighteen, trying to go downfield and outside the numbers. Yeah, that's why you make him go right. outside the numbers. Yeah, as a receiver, you give me the inside, I'm gonna say I'm gonna have a, a great day against you. And I like how they handle Ugo Mati. At first, I'm thinking, what are they doing? Get this guy in the game. He needs to get more reps. And I go back and I watch the first game of the year against uh, the Bengals, and Ugo's getting a lot of reps, and he's doing okay. But he's getting fooled with some formations. He's getting his, his hips turned around. You can tell the kid can play. He's breaking on the ball. He's fast. He's strong. But he's not quite doing exactly what he's supposed to do. So what do you do? You put a veteran in front of him. You're like, hey, learn from this guy. He's going to line up the right way. Most likely he'll do the right thing. The thing where Taylor got hurt was now when it's time to make the play, he didn't make the play. Now when the ball hits your hands, you got to come down with that football. And you get halfway through the season, you see Ugo Amadi balling on special teams. He's the first guy down there. He's making yeah. tackles. So he's slowly coming along. He's getting reps with the first and second team uh, during practice. So they kind of they put the training wheels on. They're like, look, we're not going to to force this guy into the heat of the battle right now we're going to allow this veteran a chance and we know that if he's not capable of doing it now we're going to give this uh, this rookie a chance to make some plays yeah, and amadi was he won the lombardi award and i think it's for it's for a player you know on the field play but i mean there's guys like aaron donald and indomitian sue that have won this award yeah. it's also about being a squared away individual being a leader and, you know, uh, academic stuff and everything, and he won that. So he's a very smart guy. He's very verbal. I just think he's a rookie, you know. I mean, look, it's always surprising to me when rookies actually play and, and contribute. Like DK Metcalf is just, it's just amazing to me watching him. And so, uh, you know, he's just a typical rookie. But I, I feel pretty confident with Quandre Diggs out there. He seems to be the sort of key to communication. Bradley McDougall played better. Uh, I thought, you know, the corners played better. I thought the linebackers played better. I mean, they, they were getting deep drops that were uh, causing uh, Garoppolo to put air under the ball. And that's one of the reasons why, as a linebacker, you want to get deep drops, you know, 10 to 15 yards is because, you know, we saw him completing, like Jameis Winston, completing these ropes that he's throwing down the field because he didn't have to throw over a linebacker. But when you have to throw over the linebacker, it, it puts a little bit of an arc on the ball and it gives the safeties time to get there. And, uh, and I thought Quandre Diggs just, uh, he brought a lot of that to that defense. And I feel pretty comfortable with Amadi out there, as long as you have Diggs and McDougal, uh, who were also back there kind of taking care of him a little bit. Yeah, I thought Diggs made some big hits, so did McDougal. You know, I, you know I'll expand on the, the drops. I, I thought they read the, the, I thought they read Jimmy G or Pretty Boy's drops really well. So when he did a three step drop, we squeezed the route. So we, we, we contested the short route. When he dropped back to five or was holding the ball, we adjusted and got more depth. And he really struggled to find wide receivers. The times he did, not to, to beat up on Taylor too much here, because you know, sometimes you just lose confidence. And, and I think that's what happened to him. Um, you know, when they all of a sudden we were given these free releases inside and, and nothing underneath, that's when Jimmy hurt us a few times. But it was rare. And most of the time, he had to pull the football down. It allowed us to get some sacks. Or he had to throw something that he really didn't want to do, and that was to extend downfield. And so passes over 10 yards, 
last week when we played him, he was three for eighteen. That's his weakness. And and you know, just to you know, since we're talking about 49ers here right now, all of a sudden, you know, he plays Arizona and then they go, Oh, Jimmy's playing great now. He had four touchdown passes. He had a two-yard pass for a touchdown. He had a four-yard pass for a touchdown. He had a five-yard pass for a touchdown. And he had a 25-yard one that they kind of blew coverage. No, he's not. They go play a really good defense. Arizona's not. Jimmy Garoppolo's going to struggle. I think they're going to have a losing record the rest of the way. Well, they've got a tough schedule. but Great defense. That's the one thing that negates part of what I say. But I think they're going to really shut their offense down. What do you think, Michael? You think you, that's that's a pretty bold move there. I'm going to write well, that down. I, I think, What's the date? 1121. 1121. It's a yeah. good 21's a good number. Says, yes, it is. Your old jersey number. Yes. No, you know, I, it's funny. You get to this time of the year, and all of a sudden, all these teams that look like they're unbeatable, you see, like, okay, they can be beat. Nobody's that good in the NFL no. because the talent level is very even, evenly spread out. And to me, more than anything, it's about guys playing together. So, again, like we talked about at the top of the show, I just, I'm really excited about the defense and what we saw. One, one of the other moves that kind of went along with that is Ed Dixon. Clayton reporting that he's uh, possibly going on IR. Uh, we're not in, in, in sure about that because it has not been made official. But um, let, let's talk about what they're going to do at tight end because hopefully Luke Wilson is going to be able to, uh, you know, get through this hamstring injury. He's also got ribs. He's a tough guy. And, uh, you know, Pete always talks about how he's a, an incredible healer. And then you got Jacob Hollister, who had a career day against uh, against San Francisco, yeah. and then George Fant. You know, so you got those three guys. And I don't even want to. Uh, I do. I'm going to mention. Do we miss Will Disley? I mean, can you imagine if he had Will Disley still in this? No, offense? I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't look behind me, Dave. I look forward. <laughs> okay. I mean, but it, he, it, it was nice, it, and I hope next year he's back. But it back. is an incredible shame that they don't have Will Disley, but they're making do like, right now. I like Hollister, and I think, you yeah. know, with Luke, here, here's what I think we're going to get this guy. I think it's going to be very similar to what we did against Tampa Bay. And, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty stout against the run. they got a very good front four. I think we throw on them early. We, we loosen that. Day. I mean, not to make it that simple, you know, like you hear all, on, on all the, the ESPN stuff out there. But well, it's a good comparison because they got the number four run defense yeah, in Philly, and, right? And yeah, and they're struggling in the secondary, and, and I think we're hot throwing the football right now. I think we're going to be very balanced, but I think it starts off us throwing the football, and then we wear it down a little bit in the fourth quarter running the, I, running I the think ball. that secondary is better than what people are giving them credit for. I think that they are – you watch them on film. Uh, they're aggressive. They're going to play man. They're going to get in your face, and they're flying around right now. They did take an L, an L to the Wingland Pages, but granted, the Wingland doesn't have the receivers that the Seahawks do have. But you watch them, and they're they're on top of Edelman. They're on top of Sanu. Uh, they're playing really fast. So I think they're playing confident, and that's what scares me a little bit about this team is that they're playing confident and they're desperate. They know they have to win this ball game. They're going to be at home, and I think if they look across the formation and they don't see Lockett, uh, Lockett consistently, they see a DK Metcalf, they'll take a chance on a Josh Gordon. I think if they if they make plays early, they'll start to believe and make this game a little interesting. Remember, New England's a short passing game, crossing routes, all that. You got to play that tight. We're not. We're vertical. I so Jill, that'll, that'll be fun to Jill watch. Elman ran across the field and ran the. the the route that the Hawks like to run that deep cross three or four times and caught about two of them. So I, I, I feel you, but I, I just think that All right. they deserve a little more. All right, play. so you're saying no. I say, yeah, this would be good. Sunday will be a fun little matchup. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I'm going to go with Pompous. It's just a feeling <laughs> I have on this one. Okay, Paul? Who are you? <laughs> 
I'm Dave Wyman. Oh, there you You're go. You're Paul Moyer. Yes. Michael Bumpus. It's Hawks Live. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Coming up next, we're going to talk about three of the biggest plays from last week's game or two weeks ago. We're going to go inside the film room. That's next. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're at the Snoqualmie Casino, and we're inside the film room with Coach Paul Moyer, Coach Michael Bumpus, and then me. And we're going to take uh, take you through a three of these uh, great plays from the other night. And I, I was surprised that uh, our producer, Nasa Chobi, didn't put all defensive players uh, plays in there because he's a defensive player himself. He actually put two offensive plays in here, but... Uh, pretty awesome plays. That, I mean, on the on the offensive side of the ball, I feel like they're they're kind of set. I mean, I don't want to get cocky or anything, but it doesn't matter whether I'm cocky or not. But I just think Russ is just so good now. I, I think you you can rely on him. What is he? Twenty four and two as far as touchdowns and interceptions. And but I, I thought the the real difference was the defense, and specifically, I guess if if I had to point out one area, I would go D line. And uh, this first play is Jaron Reed gets a strip sack of Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Jadavian Clowney, who has just made plays all over the place, picks it up and runs for pay dirt. Second down and six at the Seattle 37. Coleman stays in the backfield. Garoppolo takes a shotgun snap. He's missed. Now he's hit. Now he goes down. Clowney got there first, got a hand on him, forced him up in the pocket, and then Puna Ford and Jaron Reed got there. They'll probably split that sack. Doesn't matter. It is still a, another sack going for the Seahawks defense. That would be the Seattle third sack on the game and a loss of five yards. And then Clowney picks it up, and he scores a touchdown. Uh, we got the wrong clip there. Uh, anyway, um, this was, uh, this was uh, I thought on, on this particular play that Puna Ford made it happen. Puna Ford and Jaron Reed ran a stunt, and so it was just a, I guess it would be what, a, a TE, I mean the outside guy, I think uh, he went first, it was, uh, it was, um, well, you know, Jaron yeah, Reed. Jaron Reed was yeah. the right tackle, and he, he, he went he first. came into the A gap. He on, came inside, and then, and then Puna Ford goes around to the outside, but Puna made such a fast move, and then same with Jaron Reed, he had a really good, he had a little shake, both the center and the guard did what you can't do as an offensive lineman turn your shoulders that you know you want to pass that off keep your shoulders square and i thought puna ford especially he was so explosive going to his right the center's left that he was forced to turn his shoulders and that just opened the gate for jaron reed jaron reed gets squeezes through there and gets his big old paw on the football and it comes out and Clowney always the johnny on the spot picks it up and, and runs it in yeah I, the thing about that one to me and that's this is game planning right so the center if the center gets depth that's that's a harder stunt because he would have been able to pass that off and jaron reed gets he comes into the a gap and because the center doesn't get depth he gets past the center's shoulders right and so now it, the stunts it, the stunt works i mean one either reed or ford's going to come free there's no way at that point that they can stop it but here's why that play works as well and maybe two weeks ago it didn't we stopped their primary short route they ran a. They, they had a stack position. Their outside receiver came in and ran a turn route. Uh, KJ Wright jumped it. He's in between that guy, that turn route and Garoppolo. So Garoppolo, right. he has nowhere to throw it. This is a perfect stunt. But if that ball gets thrown, 
There's no sack. There's yeah. nothing. And, and everybody goes, oh, we don't get any pressure on the quarterback. Right. But we do. And on top of that, Diggs also takes away the deep in route. Now, we've had some people in that position have not taken that dig route away. And that thing all of a sudden pops up. So why does this play work? It's a great fundamental stunt. It's a great job of taking away their primary and secondary route. And now Garoppolo, he has to try and avoid. And, you know, you got Clowney does what he does best. And that's hustle and gets a strip sack. Yeah, what I like about this is on that on that defensive line front, it's always a four on five. So that means three guys are most likely going to be manned up and the, the other guy's going to be double teamed. And everyone does their job. The Puna and Reed stunt works. And then Clowney doesn't just bull rush like he's been doing all year. He kind of sets him up, nice little swim move. So the one-on-one matchups win. The guy who's taking on the double team does his job. So everyone does their job. You occupy two right there. You win your one-on-one battles right there. And you put pressure on Jimmy G. I mean, uh, I was just continuity right there. Everyone doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Uh, next play, Russell Wilson finds Jacob Hollister, who had a career night, I think seven or eight catches. Uh, touchdown, and this was a touchdown where he kind of got lost in the shuffle makes a beautiful catch. So here we go, first and goal for Russ and company. Play fake, he's going to half roll right side, still looking, throws back inside, ball is tipped up, is it caught? It is! It's caught in the back of the end zone by Hollister! Touchdown, Seahawks! Jacob Hollister reaches up with one hand as he's falling backwards, and Russ lays a little dime over the top for Hollister to catch, and the Seahawks have taken the lead 13-10. to Hollister lineup is an inline classic tight end position, and uh, he blocked. And so a lot of times that's uh, it's tough. Those guys get lost in the defense. But actually, San Francisco they picked it up. I mean, There's the linebacker open. linebacker was all over him, and so Russ just kind of throws that little, as Rabel said, teardrop. And it was a one handed catch by Hollister. That guy has just been uh, what a great surprise Jacob Hollister's been. Yeah, Hollister's been awesome. And and what I see on this play is they show like that stretch look. And I watched. Uh, something on Peyton Manning the other day and, and how much he worked on his mesh in the backfield, showing the ball, hiding the football. So I don't want to discount Russell Wilson and his ball handling skills there, but it's all about the flow of this play. Everything in this play says our reflection and everything is flowing right. So now all Hollister has to do is just find some space where the linebacker jacks up is he's got to play him from behind me. He can't play that guy from front. It's like kind of deny the post by standing in front of him. You kind of got to split him in half and get behind him a bit. And after that, it's all just a trust throw. Uh, Russell Wilson sees space. He sees that Hollister has the has the defender beat with his back towards, to, towards him and just tosses it up, and the rest is all 48. I, I, okay, so first of all, San Francisco holds four of our wide receivers. Four. Not one of them is called, and that's fine. I'm watching this, you guys, from the end zone. For the life of me, I can't understand why. I don't even know what Russell sees here. You, he's looking away from Hollister, and then he throws this little flip with his wrist in the perfect spot. I, you got, it, it is the difficulty of this throw and what he sees is I can't even describe it. And this is, you know, for everybody out there listening, everybody here, enjoy what we have. This guy <laughs> is the best in the business. He does things nobody in the NFL has done in history. He's that good. You know what? I was uh, this week going. Russell needs a hype man. You know how uh, Lamar Jackson had uh, uh, Mark Ingram yeah. given the hype? 
Paul, you I might be that it. guy. I you can, might be the hype man for Russell for MVP. It's crazy the stuff yeah. he's done. Yeah, it really is. Uh, the, the last one, Malik Turner, guy we don't talk about. We had him on this show at, at one point, and really a nice kid, one of the receivers you kind of forget about. But this is a huge catch, and he had some great moves here, kind of video game moves here. Third and 16 in overtime, and Russell finds Malik Turner on a big-time play. Empty backfield, four-man rush. Russ going to try to run around the right side. Does. Find some room. Now he throws. Got Ner- Turner makes the catch. Spins out of a tackle. Down to the 35-yard line, the 33-yard line. How did Malik Turner do that? Made the catch. Spun out of a tackle. Picked up positive yards. A first down and then some. A 20-plus yard gain. As they spot the ball, we'll actually see how far it was. 29 yards and a first down at the San Francisco 32. Well, I have 23 down here. Maybe Rage got a little bit excited there, but wow, that was a that was a great play. What did you say? It was math the... has never been a strong point. But... <laughs> hey, on air math is very difficult. Yes, I'll, I'll say that. But uh, who would you say it was like a uh, video game move? Like hit the B button? Oh, or that, that like was that? Our, that was our producer NASA Chubby. Oh, he said, "Hey, hit that. that hit that spin move on him." This is an, uh, an example of guys knowing where everyone is because right here, Hollister's in the flat, and as Russell Wilson is rolling his way, some, rea- some guy's reaction would be able to snap it upfield and take that space. But I feel like he knows that, okay, this is a scramble drill. We've, jun- we've done this before. That intermediate route ran by Malik Turner. He- he'll probably occupy that space. And then that Z receiver to the sideline, instead of coming back, he just goes deep. So it just shows that everyone knows where they're supposed to be, and then Russell makes a, a great catch, and Malik shows his age and says, I'm a young man, I'm going to get this yak. Another great throw. I wish uh, Russell had a look downfield because David Moore was 10 yards past Richard Sherman for an easy touchdown. Uh, I was going to tell you to hype him up again, and now you're saying he missed a wide open. No, he made a, I said he made a great throw, but if he had a look downfield, he can't do everything. All right? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's walking on uh, grass, not water. That, that has got to be tough for a quarterback when you get in film and go, oh, my God, that guy was wide open. You didn't see because it it's hard to see everything, and you're being chased and everything. But, yeah, Russ is doing a great job. Well, coming up next, uh, we're going to have Shaquem Griffin, who uh, is going to play – Fortnite. Anybody ever play Fortnite? You guys know what this is about? Um, I know what it is. My son plays it. Uh, yeah, your son plays it. Yeah, so we're our own Taylor Jacobs. He's going to sit down with Seahawks linebacker Shaquem Griffin. They're going to have a little chat and play some Fortnite. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. Joining me now in Hawks Live Gaming, Shaquem Griffin. Going to play a little Fortnite. Pressure's on, though, because people hyping up his game. Oh, so man. We got to see what he's really <laughs> like on the sticks. Going to play a little Fortnite and uh, talk some football and talk some life on and off the field. So we'll just jump right into it. We'll start queuing up. You're getting a lot more reps on the defensive side. How do you stay ready for those moments when your name gets called and you have to step up in those types of situations? Um, I think for me, it's just not let the moment be too big. Um, it's just staying poised, just staying under control with everything, and then when you know, get called, just do what you've been doing. I just, you know, playing ball. And I think that's something that I learned throughout me being here so far, just becoming from a rookie to you know, a second year, it's just, you know what? Don't overthink things. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's all playing ball. You know, you made tackles, you rush people. You know, you go into battles every day. It, it's, it's nothing different. So it's just all about being poised. And every single week, I just make sure I just focus on certain things that you know I'm weak at, and certain things I'm strong at, for I can make sure I can get better for the, the next game. 
And I think just getting out there last game was just a, you know, for me to get my feet wet and actually, you know, get a feel for everything and actually kind of, you know, feel myself a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, once I got that feeling now, it's just like the energy was so contagious out there. It was like it, it felt different. You know, that's something that we, you know, we hyping on just to, to keep. I mean, once you feel that energy like that, you don't want to lose it. It's my whole thing. If there's anything I can do to be able to keep a contagious energy like we have uh, versus San Fran, I mean, yeah. we're going to have a, a, a great second half. And your teammates talking about you and the effort you're putting in, too, specifically Bobby Wagner giving you a shout-out on, on what you've been doing on the field and what you've been doing on the practice field. So what's it, what, you've been, what have you been learning from guys like Bobby and KJ and some of those sort of quote-unquote upperclassmen, if you will, here at, in Seattle? I mean, with guys with like Bobby and KJ and, and Mike, they, you know, they always keep me, you know, head over heels when it comes to, you know, being prepared and having a routine. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of guys have to learn throughout the years. And, you know, I remember even Bobby said, say it took him a while to learn how to, to, to create a, a routine throughout his years. But, you know, that's why I'm, I'm blessed to have vets like that that teach me the way. You know, instead of me having to, to, find, to find out the hard way like them, yep. you know, they just teach me, like, I did this and I did that. And, and me knowing the state of my routine, I know exactly what's going to happen every single time. So, you know, I made sure I take in all the advice from them. And it just make sure I just kept doing everything and the same thing I practiced. I'm working this move, I'm working that move, I'm just going to keep doing the same routine. I'm going to keep the same intensity every single time because once I know I'm off of it, mm -hmm. that means I'm doing something wrong. So that was like the key thing for me is just, you know, keep a steady routine and, and just keep working my craft every week. I love it. Now, you also play with your brother, which is really unique, and we had him on here uh, about a month ago, too. We played some Fortnite. We did pretty well as well. So we're hoping to do better than your brother because I know you probably have some brother, some sibling rivalry going on. So oh, for sure, all the time. You guys did your media tour this past year and asked your brother this question, and I'm sure everyone asked you your favorite part about playing with your brother. So I want to know what's the toughest part about playing with your brother. The toughest part about playing with my brother on the field? Yeah, or off the field. Does he, you know, does he give you a hard time you know, in the locker rooms or something like that? Um, I won't say give a hard time. <laughs> But it, it can be times where, you know, obviously you can always bump heads with anybody. And then there's always a different bump heads when, you know, you're going to bump your head with, with your brother and stuff. And, you know, I think one thing that we do a really good job is, is uh, we take great criticism from each other. Mm. And, you know, shout out to my dad for that because he was always say, I'm going to be your biggest critic and your biggest fan. And me and my brother kind of took that in consideration and ran with it because it's like my brother knows it's like I'm, I'm going to be the biggest fan no matter what. Like, I'm going to know more about you than you know about yourself. And it's vice versa. But so when it comes to criticism, you know, he, he does well with taking it and also dishing it out, too. I love that. Yeah, so he does an amazing job with it. Yeah, and your brother talked about your dad and the influence your dad had as both sort of a coach and a father figure as both. So right. I love that, that sort of dual experience you got from him as he pushed you on the football field and, you know, off the field, too. It's always a constant battle. It's always a constant push. And it's always... You know, a thing to, to help each other grow. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's never, you know, bad feelings and stuff, but it can get annoying, especially. I mean, I had times when I was tired and my brother was like, you got to do this and do that. And I'm yeah. like, man, just get out my face. But then I know it's for, it's for the betterment for me, him, and everybody yeah. around us. So, you know, you, you, learn how to, you learn how to take that and then keep it going. Love that. So tell me about playing on this defense second year. What is the difference between this unit that you're playing with this year versus last year, what are some of the key differences you would say? Uh, right now, I think the camaraderie is it's a little different. Uh, I think the things that we do outside of the building, it what creates a better chemistry between us. Um, just for example, uh, 
you know, my brother uh, holds the DB meeting, oh, you know, every week at home, all the DBs come through, you know, we have food and stuff, and everybody just come in and just hang out. Oh, man. Oh, let me see him. Whole team. Too. Oh, wow. That's what I mean. They I was talking. Up on us. We, were we, talking. we was talking, so that we were, we were, we're distracted. We were distracted. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, you know, LBs, we, we plan trips, we hang out. The DBs plan trips, hang out. They come to the house, they watch film every Tuesday, you know, and just to eat and just watch film. So I just think there's certain things that we do now that we didn't do last year that, that, that kind of creates a better bond. And, you know, when them guys out there and they talking to each other, even when somebody's going through something, instead of saying, hey, man, uh, you tripping, like, you need to tighten up. It's just, like, they, they encourage them to, to do better and encourage them to say, like, you know what, I got your back no matter what. Like, if you feel like you finna, you finna do this, I got you over top. And it, it just serves like that when you know that you got somebody who's willing to, even though you finna take a chance right now to try to get the ball, yeah. I got your back. Don't worry about nothing. And that's the kind of thing that you, you need on the defense. And when the guys like that playing around each other with, with that, it's, it's an amazing thing to see because it's like, it's no worries. Yeah, Even trust. though I mess up, I know I got a guy behind me that's going to fix everything for me. So it's just, it, you just feel better out there. You feel more comfortable. You feel like you can trust everybody around You're free, you. free, right? You can play with that Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, that's awesome. Um, all right, now we'll get into some more of the fun stuff. We talked about on the field, but off the field, we know you're playing Fortnite. Are there any other shows or movies? What do you like to do when you're at home, just relaxing, not playing Fortnite for seven hours with the boys? Uh, man, I just like to, uh, I like to, to do see sceneries and stuff, go to different areas. I like to go bowling. I like to go go-karting. Um, you're all over. Yeah, I just like to, I don't like being bored, man. I like to just to stay out. active, man. Yeah. And, you know, eventually it's going to be a time where I'm not going to want to move at all, so... Right. <laughs> You know, I'm gonna get it while I'm young. I mean, yeah. I got a lot of energy and stuff, so I just like to, you know, get out and just move around. Man, I love movies. I go to movies every week. I'm actually going today. What are you gonna go see? I have no idea. I mean, we just pull up and we just what movie we haven't seen yet. Like, it's a lot of movies that we've seen. What was the best movie you've seen recently? Mm, the best movie I've seen recently. Yeah. Um. Nah, Endgame is too far away. Let's say it gotta be the last John Wick. Or, yes. I don't know, man. I, I had watched what what was the movie? Um, Aladdin. Oh, Will yeah, Smith. The remake. Or what's the last movie he just came out with 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 the uh, with the double ganger he had? Oh, the uh, Gemini uh, Man. Gemini Man was yeah. was so dope. And the only reason I say that because it takes a lot for you to be able to play yourself twice, twice. in a movie, right? And interact with yourself and interact twice. with yourself twice, right? And then sound younger and sound older. Like, that's right. all him. That's all him. Right. No, well, I, you know, I grew up in the 90s. Fresh Prince, just mm. that's, you came home from school and that's what you were throwing on the television. You just, you had to see what Will Smith was doing. So, um, but John Wick, we were talking earlier this season and we were getting in, into it with Leno. He's a big John Wick fan. Yeah. So we were trying to campaign for him to get into the next John Wick movie. So first off, would you want to be in a John Wick movie? Definitely. And how would you want to fight John Wick in that movie? Because you got to fight him, and you're going to lose. Yeah, definitely. Gonna but lose. how are you? How do you want to lose? I guess to John Wick in a fight. Leno said he wants to fight him in a helicopter, aerial battle. I was just thinking somewhere in the air, but you know, Ooh, okay. Take it. Um, Maybe an airplane. Um. Something more unique, something yeah. more unique. I don't know, maybe on a roller coaster or something. Ooh. Roller coaster broken. We just we, we just going hand for hand, and you know, I think that'd be something kind of interesting. Like, why are they fighting the roller coaster? That's a whole storyline itself. Yeah, you you said you like to go kart, so you're already at the amusement. I'm park. already at them. Exactly. You're there, man. You're halfway. What's the odds of that? Yeah. You know? 
that's going to do it for our interview. But I think we'll get on the sticks at some point in the future. That was a lot of fun. So, yeah. Shaquem Griffin, you know him on the field. You love him off the field. He's the man. He's the man on Fortnite, too. We'll catch you soon. All right. Thanks, Taylor and Shaquem. Uh, two of the nicest guys in the world going at it in video games right there. Shaquille Griffin, I, I thought he was maybe the nicest guy on the team. And then his brother sat down with us last week and he said, no, no. I'm the, I'm the nicest guy on the team. <laughs> and it's, it's a tie, those two guys. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to wrap it up, give you our final thoughts, maybe a prediction how we expect this game to go. Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, and myself. We'll do that next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. I want to thank the people up here. They always treat us great up here at the Snoqualmie Casino. It's not that far away. You get past the Issaquah exit, the last one, what, 10 minutes? Come yeah, on no, here. It's, it's beautiful good. out yeah, here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy drive. Guys, how are we feeling about this game? You know, <laughs> Graz on the huddle used to always, his last question was always, what kind of game are you expecting? You know, you'd either ask me or the opponent. And, you know, I was thinking about that today because... I expect the Seahawks to win this game. And, you know, usually it's like, and it's not like I'm disrespecting the NFL or anything, but I just feel like they turned a really important corner, and mostly it's on defense. And if they can get anywhere near that kind of performance, I just, I trust the offense at this point. I don't think that there's ever going to be any kind of a serious power outage on offense. But I do, I was worried about the defense the first half, and then when I saw that, do you think that's a performance that they can bottle up and carry forward with them? I think they have to. If they want to go for a run and do this, they have to make it a Philly game, right? You think of Philly, you think of all the boxers that come out of Philly, right? And they're rough and tough and strong. Just They have to make it that type of game on defense from the start, especially because the receiving core at Philly is struggling. Um, they're not making plays. You look on paper, they, hurt, look, right? they look like um, a good receiving core. Um, Wentz isn't making the greatest decisions. I heard Tony Romo getting on him about not taking the check down and always going for the deep ball. So um, I'm with you, Dave. Offensively, I think they're okay. Defensively, they have to show that aggressiveness that they, aggressiveness that they showed on Monday night. But they also got to mix it up, too. You know, you can't just be go get them, go get them every single down. So I think they have the ability to mix it up now. But – I'd be extremely disappointed if I didn't just see the fire and the, the the toughness that we saw on Monday night against the Niners. Yeah, I I think we're there. I mean, I think Diggs brings another element. I think uh, Amadi's going to bring another element in that nickel package. Um, I feel good defensively, but it's one game. we, we got to see. The, the thing for Philadelphia is they're struggling offensively, uh, particularly just they lack explosiveness. They're not supposed to have Jeffries out there. I was looking at Aguilar. He's averaging under nine yards per catch. Um, you go and look at Wentz. He's averaging 6.6 yards per pass. You know, Russell Wilson's 8.3 or 4. It just There's no explosiveness in their offense. But they got some players on defense, and you were on the road. And if we don't play the game that we normally play, and that is protect the football, um, which I think we do. I mean, we're going to. I think it's a game we should win. Now, you know, take me back, you know, two weeks ago. I didn't think we were going to beat San Francisco. I really didn't. You know, I was shocked how well we played defensively and what we did offensively against them, which just means you just can never underestimate the Seahawks. 
They're so good. But this is, this is a critical game, you guys. If they want to accomplish winning the division, and it's for the taking. I think San Francisco, not necessarily going to struggle, but they're so beatable against good teams. I think they're very one-dimensional offensively. Um, you know, you got to take your you know shots defensively. They're they're good there, but their schedule is tough. I think our schedule lays out nicely because Carolina's not playing as well. We know the Rams aren't playing as well. Philadelphia's not playing as well. You got Arizona, who is, but it should be a beatable game. Then it comes down to the end of the season. How about that? San Francisco Last game Niners. So I I know this would be nuts. It would be nuts if we were thirteen and two. At going, the, into the, going into San Francisco. That means we got to run the table. Minnesota's going to be a very tough game at home. Yeah. But all of those games, I think, were favored. They're, I think we're favored the rest of the year. Isn't it amazing how easy, not easy, but how winnable the schedule looks once you beat San Francisco? Yeah. Because all of a first year you're going down the stretch, and same thing for like San Francisco now. Now all of a sudden you look at them and go, they got to play Green Bay at home. They got to go to New Orleans. They got to go to Baltimore. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'd love it if it played out that way. Can you imagine they're both oh my thirteen goodness. and two going into that game? Oh man, that would be that would be big time. You know, and here's the other thing: we're not a great team. We can play great, but we've got to play you know sound football offensively. We got to take our shots still defensively. Um, we can beat anybody, and we you already know we we at times play to our competition. Our competition is pretty stiff the rest of the way. So yeah. it's a great test. It'll definitely get them playoff ready by the time the end of the year. So you expect them to win? Yes, I expect them to win. I expect it to be the typical Seahawks game. I think it's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be a 14 um, score win. I think it's going to be single-digit win. It's going to be a grinder. Russell Wilson is going to do what he does. He's going to throw for two touchdowns, not going to turn over the ball. Chris Carson is going to uh, pass the century mark. Um, but what I'd like to see are just two turnovers on defense. I need one by the secondary. I need something to happen in that linebacker core. We're still waiting for those LBs to make that one play to say, wow, the defensive line performed last game. The secondary did a, did a good job as well. Now we need those linebackers to show up. And they've always been solid. They played solid football sure. all year. Yeah. But now just that one play that kind of lets the league know that, all right, we're complete now. The offense is good. Every level on the defense is ready to go. Think about it. Bobby Wagner has not had that game yet, has he? Nope. He's got lots of tackles. I think health is an issue. I think this buy's good. You know, we, we talked about Russell Wilson struggling to run. He, they showed a little hamstring uh, on the injury report, even though he didn't miss any time. So I think we'll get healthy with this bye. I, I, I want to remind everybody, Philadelphia is two years removed from being Super Bowl champions. Yep. This is still a very talented team. Well coached. And very well coached. It's, it, it's going to be like most games, come down the fourth quarter, Russell Wilson making a play at the end. Yep. All right, guys, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was yep, a fun show. Fun. Really, Absolutely. again, want, want to thank Snoqualmie Casino, the Professor John Clayton, Trey Flower, Shaquem Griffin, mm-hmm. our own Taylor Jacobs, and special thanks to our engineer, Brenna Hutchison, and on the board, Brian Schoening, and, of course, our executive producer, Nasa Choby. For Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus, and I'm Dave Wyman. Thanks for joining us here on Hawks Live. We'll talk to you next week. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle. All new this year, a Seahawks player every week will sit down for an interview while playing their favorite video game. Watch the interview on our Twitch channel, youtube.com slash mynorthwest and 710sports.com.